Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and much more and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Louis, thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited for us to meet. Um, I know you so far from what we've connected, we'll talk about it, but could you just introduce yourself um, to anyone that may have not met you before? Sure. So I'm Louise Clements. I'm currently the senior HR business partner at HDI Global Specialty. I have 15 years generalist HR experience and I went to university and did an HR course which involved a year in industry because I wanted to come out with experience and a qualification. So I made that conscious decision, spent a year with Toyota, got my degree and then went out into the big bad world and predominantly in the last 15 years I've spent within small to medium sized firms um, within financial services. Okay, fantastic. So um, we actually connected for LinkedIn, right? And this because I spotted an interesting post about a book club that you run, which we'll come back to in a Mm -hmm. minute. But we actually started our conversation on me going, oh, I love Atomic Habits. And you're going, well, I actually don't. don't." (laughs) Which is always fun. (laughs) But, you know, we've exchanged some books, um, topics. And we've as well seen like worked in the same company, Mm. PHB, now known as Amwins, for a brief time, which always makes me think whenever I meet people that cross paths is the market is so small right mm-hmm. you never I always say to anyone you never know when you're going to work again with this person in whatever capacity or meet so it's I like it but it's also something to bear in mind yeah right? be nice yeah that's it don't burn your bridges unless you really really want to <laughs> but remember that but talking about insurance and you've touched on it just before we start recording um I thought you've started in banking but you you'll mm. tell me otherwise and I'm looking forward to hearing about it I start always a podcast with insurance career, choice or a chance, and tell me about it. Okay, total chance. Okay. (laughs) So after my degree, I went out, as I say, into the big bad world and secured a role with a membership organisation called the Institute of Directors, Mm. which was a private company, but very close to a public body as well, because they were quite influential with the government and policy makers. So I cut my teeth there as a HR assistant, did three years, had brilliant grounding from the small HR team that I was in. And um, then I decided, right, I'm ready to take the next step in my career. So I started job hunting, couldn't find those HR advisor level roles Mm. that I wanted. So my partner at the time said, look, you've done a lot of studying. You've never really had any exciting life experience so why don't we go and spend the summer with your family who lived in Portugal amazing love Portugal. I know so I spent the summer (laughs) literally scrubbing toilets making beds for holiday makers um but I got some real quality time with my grandparents that you know I've never been able to get again so it was well worth it and I came back in November 2011 and literally sat in my room in my pyjamas, applying for every job, all day, every day. And then I got a phone call from an employment agency saying, look, we've got a role in insurance. Would you come for an interview? It's an interim role as a HR advisor covering Mm. maternity leave. 
so I rocked up at THB you know had my <laughs> interview and I was lucky enough to get the job yeah and that job was excellent because it was my first role within insurance but my manager there was a lady called Janice who is still yeah. the people yeah. director mm -hmm. Janice Stiliano and she took a chance on me and mm. gave me breaks you know she didn't just trust me to do the admin yeah um, as I'd done previously but she said to me, you know, do you want to do your first redundancy consultation? Wow. You know, and um, I remember saying to her, I'd be delighted to. And then thinking, oh, why should I be excited about someone potentially losing their job? You know, so I said, sorry, I just mean for my experience and exposure. I was just so pleased she trusted me. And that yeah. built my confidence, which mm. was great. So after 18 months with her, I moved into banking. I got a phone call from an, the agency that got me my first right. ever job. And they said, would you come for an interview at Berenberg Bank mm -hmm. in Threadneedle Street? Um, so again, I moved there and I was there, I think, another 18 months, actually, as an HR officer. Yeah, right. Um, that was really good. The world of private banking was very different to insurance, <laughs> but I still like the professional atmosphere. Yeah. Um, following that, I got another phone call to say, mm, you've got insurance experience, so why don't you come for an interview at this Lloyd syndicate called right. Argenta? Yes. So that's what I did, oh, and the rest okay. is history. I spent three and a half years at Argenta, mm -hmm. which was great to be in the Lloyd's market. Yes, very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then after that, again, for career progression, I moved out into management consultancy for a time. Um, and then a few years later, got lured back again. Every time I try to, I try to yeah. escape the market, so, I get pulled back, but in a really nice way. And I think, touch wood, I'm here to stay now. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because when I looked at your journey throughout your career, and okay, that's what I was missing, THB, and I, I, I read into banking, so that's 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 very helpful. But I there's and it could be a generational thing. I, I grew up being always so you know job for life. You get the job, you stick it out. You mm -hmm. kind of do not change your job every two years. And I actually had a my parents used to sometimes say, "Oh, Sandra, why are you you know thinking of changing or doing something different?" Um, and I say I was at Lloyd's for a long time because I was there for six years. But I actually changed my job five times in right. six years. Um, is it true there's something like job for life? I don't think so. Mm. And I think the great resignation that we've seen over yeah. the last year is proof of that. Right. I think it's quite an old fashioned mentality to have a job for life. Mm. Um, I think some of our European counterparts may still believe yeah. that to be true. Um, but I think that one of the nice things, certainly in my career, is mm. I've worked for small to medium sized firms, as I yeah. say. And the exposure you get because you're having to do everything, you can have fingers in many pies, yeah. so it's great. But the downside is there is a ceiling to your career progression because mm. there's not always a natural role for you to be able to develop into because there's somebody already in it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I felt the need to move around mm. um, and get as much exposure at an early part of my career as I possibly could. Yes. Um, my boss, Gemma, who's our people director at HDI, mm. spent 20 years at Zurich mm. in various different roles, a bit like you've described yeah. at Lloyd, Sandra. Yeah. Um, and that was great grounding because mm. you're really in tune with the company's philosophy, strategy, but you're seeing it in different teams yes. um, and how it plays out. So I think there's plus and minuses. Potentially, is there one employer for life? 
yes if it's the right employer oh, like and you get the opportunities yes. as I described that Gemma did yeah great but yeah I think an actual job for life probably mm, not anymore, isn't it? <laughs> I like that employer for life maybe or for a, for a long period in your life yeah <laughs> and that's what we as HR people yeah. should aspire to lift mm. our companies to be and that's such a good point actually and and that is that is a really I like that so for HR for companies to aspire for people to have a, a company uh, an employer for okay, life maybe is too much but certainly a long Longer period term. of time yeah so the retention I mean changing mm. people bringing new people in it's a big cost to a company right so actually retaining someone that understands the business but moves to another role it's another and I feel like that's often missed in a lot of organizations isn't it um yeah. they, they do miss that but in your role, senior people, business partner, I must say it took me a second and I realized, oh, yeah, business partner, HR, okay, and then I looked at it. I mean, it can mean anything. Yeah. So think about it. Have you seen a day in life posts on social media yep. sometimes? Yep. Okay, so you're about to film a TikTok, mm. day in life. What happens in your, as a senior uh, people, business partner? What happens? So the beauty of my job is no day is ever the same. Mm which is exciting, it keeps me on my toes, but there are other times where I've got my head in my hands because I've come into work with a to-do list and <laughs> something's happened and I've got to drop everything and deal with that situation. Um, but as I say, majority of the time, I actually quite like that approach. So my day typically starts with um, potentially a team meeting where we're updating each other on what's going on, then catch-ups with various stakeholders I provide business partner support to, in between some problem solving, looking at a long-term business strategy and giving advice to our managing director. So it can it can be very varied. Mm. Um, and sometimes there are days where there's lots of meetings and come five o'clock, I think, oh, I can actually start my mm. work now. Yeah. But um, luckily it doesn't happen too often. Oh, that's good. I'm pleased to I'm pleased to hear that. And do you work mainly from the office then or a real variety? Mm. So I think um no one's got the silver bullet to hybrid yeah. working, what the ideal pattern slash answer should be. But what we've done at HDI is trust our employees. Mm -hmm. So we've not mitigated office attendance. It's right. decided by department heads and business needs. So I typically come in two to three days a week. Um, yeah. And I quite like that because it's the best of both worlds. I get time at home yeah. um, where I can get my head down and concentrate, take my dog out for a walk at lunch times, mm. and then be in the office other days um, collaborating with peers. Yeah, and it's a nice office to come to. I mean, if no one been to the HDI, get yourself invited. <laughs> yeah, come and <laughs> use our sun yeah, terrace. That's it. <laughs> Which is lovely. I mean, I always, um, I'm a big advocate of people changing roles in insurance, and I think you can change jobs within insurance. Um, obviously, it all depending on what's your situation, but you can. What would you say are transferable skills? If someone is here in the industry, they've been maybe in the industry for two or three years and they're kind of thinking, actually, HR is where I would like to go. I don't know, they might be a broker or an underwriter at the moment or, or working operations. What do you think are the key skills to be in HR and building a career in HR? So that is a lovely question, actually. Mm. And I would love to see more people going from an insurance role such as claims, um, underwriting, broking to transfer into yeah. HR, because I think it will give you excellent grounding. So for myself, having spent, as I say, 15 years in mm. HR, 
I've recently undertaken my certificate in insurance yeah. because I want to have just a basic knowledge mm. of what my company does so that the advice I then give our business leaders is more strategic because mm. I understand what they do. Mm-hmm. So really, to bypass that, if you've already got come from that grounding, excellent, because you yeah. are going to be able to support those business leaders, as I say, mm. uh, with more practical advice. But I think key skills are being strategic. So Mm -hmm. looking down the road at things that are coming, not just dealing with a situation here and now, Mm. being a good communicator. And that means listening as well as giving the advice and tailoring solutions that somebody needs, not that suit your own personal agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a very important part of it isn't it is that people skill is yeah must be having empathy yeah is key yeah yeah and discretion discretion Discretion, absolutely yeah i think you probably get to see and sort of have be part of some difficult conversations as well isn't it so yeah and do you know what i think i'm probably too empathetic sympathetic Mm. at times i'm not an hr person that if i have to let somebody go at five o'clock on a friday I don't just down tools and that's it. I can get yeah. on with my weekend. I'm thinking of that person all weekend, mm. worrying how are they going to pay their bills, etc. What are they going to tell their family? Yeah. And I should let it go, I know, but I just can't switch that off. Yeah. Um, so as I say, I've probably toned that up. I need to tone that down <laughs> slightly, but you can't be totally the other way and mm. totally unaffected because, mm. you know, we can all be on the receiving end of some of those conversations sometimes. Mm. So I think the key to success is thinking and treating people how you would want to be treated yeah. in that situation. And that's a, yeah, treat how you want to be treated. I think that's a very good takeaway. Empathy is an interesting word. I recently posted about um, adjusting your communication style and are certain people told too often to adjust it whilst others are left to do whatever they kind of fancy. And, and you know, you are given this excuse of, oh, this person is just the way they are, but you change your communication skill. And interestingly, it it got quite a lot of responses, and empathy is the word that came up the most. Everyone said, well, actually, it's all about empathy. And yes, if one person is being excused and their behavior is unacceptable, obviously, that's not good. But everyone said communication is about empathy. And I, I feel like that's not a word that's been used so frequently in the past years it's it's only recent when we're talking mm. about that kind of emotional intelligence and, and we're talking about feelings and mindfulness uh, mindfulness but also sort of mental health and so that's where empathy seems to be coming up more what's what's your thinking well, i'm it? wondering if that's been triggered by covid to be honest because mm. i think that was a huge wake-up call to us all about the need um to eradicate loneliness, um, show kinship, be kind to yeah. ourselves. And sorry, I'm realizing I sound like Jerry Springer now, but um, <laughs> and each other. But, um, I'm wondering if that is why yeah. um, people are realizing emotional intelligence does have a place in the workplace yeah. and we need to be more clued into that. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, I, I feel like I understand more about what, what your role is. Um, if you were, you know, if you were to say to a five-year-old, this is what I do, what would you say? <laughs> well, I think um, in very, very basic terms, I would say I'm responsible for hiring people, sometimes, unfortunately, firing them mm-hmm. and making sure everyone gets paid um, and everything in between. <laughs> 
love that. I think that's okay. all a five-year-old would really be interested in. Yeah, quite definitely. frankly. And knowing five-year-old, they'd probably go firing. What is that? Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's 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 a good summary. I like that. I think it's it's so important. We we have so many titles in the industry, right? Mm. And you go to every organization. There's a new title, and you kind of go, "What? What, 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 what do you do?" Do? Yeah. Um. So that's why I'm, you know, keen we unpack that, but. You have a day-to-day, sounds like, you know, variety of day-to-days, office, home, and different things happen. You meet a lot of great people. Throughout your career in insurance, what would you say was like a highlight? You know, I always say insurance is not just Mm. offices and desks. We get exposure to some exciting things, and it could be meeting people, going to an event, uh, traveling. What would you say is your, like, highlight of your career so far? I've been very lucky to experience all of those things, which mm. I think is quite unusual for an HR person <laughs> in insurance. You know, normally it's the underwriters and brokers that get to do all the glamorous <laughs> things. But I've been lucky enough to be treated to some lunches and dinners in mm. fabulous London restaurants that mm. I probably couldn't have afforded to have taken <laughs> myself to if I was paying. <laughs> so yeah. that was great. Um I've been to Ascot to watch the horse racing. I've met Gok Wan as part of Lloyd's uh, Dive In Diversity Festival a couple of years ago. So that was great. Um, And I've also travelled around the UK and um, visited offices in Europe. Oh, amazing. I think that's that's it. That's the part that no one thinks about. You get actually quite exciting exposure. Because what I realised, a lot of people in insurance, and that's including yourself, Apart from the day-to-day job that we do, we actually get involved in loads of other stuff, mm. right? And book club is your other thing. <laughs> Tell me about it. How did it start to, what is it? Yeah, know? sure. So book club was an idea conceived by my colleague and our head of professional liability, mm. a gentleman called James Jorgensen. And it was a way of getting our employees to come together um, over a common interest, really, And it's to do with exploring books which can inspire our outlooks and approaches to work and ultimately expand mindsets. So we meet circa once a month or every five weeks. And um, the books tend to be business or leadership leaning. Um, It's proving to be very popular. And I personally find it very motivating Mm. to know we're going to have a good discussion regarding what we liked and disliked about the books. Um, And once we've had our group review, a copy of each title that we've looked at is placed in our cafe so that other employees get to get a chance to experience it. And we just write a few words in the inside cover about what the book club's group thoughts were, which is really nice. That's really good. And I, I, I like the motivation. I'm one of those people and I have Kindle as well and also have printed books. I'm not allowed to have too many printed books. My husband got me Kindle <laughs> for that reason uh, because I like to have about five books on, on the, the go at the same time. So I feel like if I was part of a club, I would actually be completing them. Oh, the accountability <laughs> is everything. I was laughing with the book club members last month about that because I was saying if it was down to me, I probably would read like a chapter a month. Whereas knowing we've got to get together in a few weeks' time and talk about it, I'm racing through the books. So it's really good. I love that. It's so it's so good. And I like, because that's what I got the feel when I was sort of following and reading about the book club, is you it is connected to work. And, yeah. and you can actually learn from it. And I love the fact that people, the employees who maybe are not so keen on reading every month or every five weeks a book, they can participate yeah. if they choose to, which is amazing. 
but it, it does make me think I often come across and work with young people in the industry and there is there is this topic around you know I do my job and I go home mm-hmm. and this is outside of my pay grade and obviously reading books certainly sounds like outside of my pay grade um but I you know I always feel like that's maybe other industries do it as well but i feel like that's the beauty of insurance that we actually have all these other activities um they're not compulsory but they're fun to get involved and people build these great relationships what do you think is the advantage and have you been in outside of the book club have you been involved in any other aspects throughout your career that you feel like yes it's outside of my day-to-day but actually this is how it's benefited me giving that time oh great question so i think firstly there's a slight myth about the younger generation mm. don't want to do um, things outside of their pay exclusively. Mm. You know, we've actually found these are the individuals who do want to be good corporate citizens and make a difference. So when we put a shout out for volunteers for things mm. like our interns assessment day, we had a lot of people saying, yeah, I'll help out, you know, yeah. which is great. They're willing to take time out of their busy day jobs mm. to do something a bit different. And I think it's motivational as well. It's nice to mix things up sometimes, isn't it? Um, For me, I think personally, the biggest thing that's opened doors for me as a younger person, you know, Mm. who kind of cut my teeth throughout the last few years, um, would be saying yes to everything. So be open-minded. Just because something isn't in your job description, you don't know what doors it will open for you. Um, when I worked back in the Lloyd Syndicate several years ago, I was doing some really long hours. You know, um, I think my contractual hours were nine till five, Monday to Friday in the office mm. back in the old yeah. days. I don't know um, how we used to do it. Rushing I know. for nine o'clock, make sure I get through <laughs> well, the door. <laughs> I used to be in at 8 a.m. because I liked it's getting true. in early. Mm. It avoided the traffic and the commuting mm-hmm. hell and rush hour mm-hmm. um, I could get settled have my coffee breakfast um, read my emails and then I was online working at 8 30 yeah and then in the evening sometimes I wouldn't be leaving the office till 6 37 yeah. you know when you've got an hour's commute that always makes the day slightly longer but it was worth it because mm. I didn't have the family commitments yeah. that meant I had to get back for school, pick up, drop mm. off, dog daycare now mm. that I have, etc. <laughs> um, and by putting the hours in, I think that I was really well thought of by my firm. Mm. And again, I, I just accelerated the things that yeah. I was doing um, because I made the time and put in the investment with the influential people yes. that I knew that I needed to spend time with. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very true. I think there is there's certainly a conversation about life balance, but if you if you want to showcase yourself to other senior people who quite honestly make decisions about your career when you're not in the room, yeah, you have to you have to be present in those um, other aspects of of organisation that are not necessarily your day to day, right? And it is a yeah. commitment. It's worth it, and I think. Some of those um, activities like book clubs, like volunteering for interviewing day, these are great ways to get exposed to senior people that you wouldn't otherwise, but you're doing it in a comfortable setting. So that relationship is much stronger than a um, you know doing a, a job I think which is which is another way yeah, of doing it. It makes you stand out. Mm, definitely does. Definitely does. And and you have to. I I said you know all the time decisions about your career, especially in early stages, happen when you're not in a room. Mm. So if people don't talk about it, if you're not visible, it's hard to be that person that they decide to put 
you know, in on a project or on a career or a new new job. Um, I mean, you you when we spoke about preparing for this podcast, we spoke about the passion for sharing the career and insurance, yeah. and and you've mentioned you attended a girls' school where mm-hmm. the conversation about finance, insurance industry, not really, well, didn't basically exist. And I recently um, uh, there's a there's a women uh, club called Albright, uh, which is in London, and they very much push for female investors and female founders. And you would think that new financial investments like crypto, blockchain, all those are heavily um, driven by women. I actually checked the statistics, and I'll have a look at that, and I'll, mm. I'll tell you how that joins the insurance. That only ten percent of women use crypto. Mm. 15% Bitcoin investors are females and only 16% of NFT artists are women. So it's still dominated by males. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I read a lot about this topic. When you mentioned the girls' school, it kind of came up again that whenever it comes to finance, insurance, one one thing everyone thinks is male-dominated industry, why do I want to break in? And I actually have conversations with some girls in schools that go, I really don't want to go to that industry. I don't want to be the only woman there. Mm. Um, and then also there's the stigma around finance and insurance. It's just, you know, white color, kind of, you don't want to be here. Um, again, it's not fun industry to join. Um, and then we, as women, generally don't talk about finance and insurance yeah. enough. There's a big educational. Two questions, and I will repeat them if, if they do. <laughs> One is what can we do at those early stages in schools as an industry yeah. um, to help raise that awareness and actually change the mindset in, that insurance, finance, not only males, mm. um, and also educated by insurance. But two, what can employers do to allow for the talent to go through to the final stages because i often hear in the market that we are great in inviting people here to show them but actually our hr interview process is still designed in a way that at the end we don't get that diverse talent Mm -hmm. so two questions first very young schools what can we do and then actually once we have people in (laughs) thank you well i think for me working in what was male dominated mm. environments meant that was my competitive advantage. Mm. We've spoken just now about standing out, yeah. and I really did. When I worked for Toyota, mm. I was the only woman in um, an office of about 20 men, right? Um, which could have been really intimidating mm. for a young girl, but I just took it in my stride, yeah. and they were great with me. Everyone was so kind and welcoming, and I think they quite liked having a bit of diversity <laughs> in the office. So that's not to be overlooked, really. I mm. think. Um, girls should be brave and think how can I get into these uh, male-dominated professions because as I say you will stand out by doing so I'm very passionate about finding the right person for the job Mm. and in the insurance market we know there is a talent drain with not enough young diverse talent coming in Mm. and thinking about careers in this field but rather than just sitting around complaining about this I feel we all have a responsibility to make changes and spread the word about what an interesting and fulfilling career insurance uh, career uh, insurance can be. Mm. So this year at HDI, we have launched an early careers program with the introduction of formal internships oh. and apprenticeships. 
and we partnered with an outreach um, provider to ensure that our candidates come from socially diverse economic backgrounds. Mm. I feel that we're all ambassadors of the market and should spread the word to others who may not have considered a career in financial services because insurance really does offer opportunities as we previously discussed to use transferable skills gained from potentially other mm. places um, which I think gives the sector competitive advantage. There are some really good maternity returner and mm. military vet initiatives out there just as one example yeah but yeah I think we all need to play our part um, and going to your second question mm. now around, you know, how can we make sure people get to those end stages and stay within the market? Because that yeah. is the key. So I think I'd, I'd answer that in two parts. Mm. You've got to go back and re-examine recruitment channels in terms of talent attraction. You know, is your organisation advertising in places that will reach those more diverse mm. groups of talent, whether that be through school or university outreach programmes? or working with agencies who specialise in part-time opportunities, yeah. etc. Um, there is more to job advertising than just relying on LinkedIn. And <laughs> you'd be surprised at the value word of mouth, for example, um, can have. We've actually got some really good employees that we have managed to attract via other employees spreading right. good things about us. So that's not to be overlooked. So in terms of talent retention, um, I'm a big believer in truly listening to individuals to understand what they want from their roles mm. or long term careers and being very transparent on what you as an employer can offer. Um, I'm currently undertaking a project to formalise some of our career paths for this very reason. And as we discussed kind of off air, Sandra, mm. the employment relationship is very much a two way street, which starts at the point of recruitment. And both parties need to be clear about, well, and upfront about uh, what's on offer and what they can bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very helpful and that's a very good way of sort of separating in into the stages. You touched on an interesting point around word of mouth, mm. and I think a lot of companies made a mistake, especially in today's world with social media, is that they only post, well, this is the job, and the job description. Let's be honest, they are pretty sort of boring when you read them and, and and very often it's hard to actually understand what they're even asking unless you know and increasingly I hear people talking about I apply for this company because I like the culture I know they do this and this and that's why I applied I've been waiting for the job because people don't move these days you know unless there is something exciting and they a lot of people move for culture not necessarily mm. the role itself and I think organizations are some companies are very restrictive in showcasing their um, culture online. And I think more we can do that, more you have employees actually openly showing up, showing what, the, what it's like to work in an organization, more you could attract that word of mouth um, mm. talent, which I appreciate comes with a lot of restrictions. So I'm sure there's people listening going, well, no, but you can't do it for a hundred different reasons. I agree, there are rules around it, but I think we, given that a lot of people are virtual or hybrid uh you know we let's say about 50 or maybe 40 percent of what used to be people in the market seeing the organization people meeting for coffee down the pub are kind of removed so mm -hmm. actually social media could be a good part to do it if you don't just post 
here's another job. <laughs> Absolutely. And there are some firms in yeah. the market that are doing a great job yeah. of that. You know, one of our competitors, um, I won't name who, no. is always posting on LinkedIn <laughs> about the different things they're doing with their staff or mm. insurance products that they're offering. And I sit there and say to my boss, we're doing that. Why don't we shout about it? So yeah. that that's one thing. But um, there's another training partner I'll give a little plug to actually mm. called Empower Development. Yeah. And we use them to help with our um, qualification support, etc. The owner of that business is a lady called Sam, Sam Ridgewell. Yeah. And she is brilliant yes. at her TikToks and everything. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I'm showing my age, but um, I need to kind of get myself up to speed. But the TikToks that I have seen yeah. her put on Instagram, etc., are great. And I think that the younger generation can really uh, resonate with that. She's she's trailblazing what insurance mm. could look like on TikTok. I mean, she's just very, very, very doing amazing. I feel like she's doing a job for all of us, basically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, no, absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned her. It's really, really good uh, organization to work with but as well. Amazing, amazing um, work that she's doing and sort of stepping out of the comfort yeah. zone, despite, you know, or, or potentially what now I think everyone appreciates what she's doing. But I think mm. at the beginning, it was kind of like, what are you doing? and you know she went and persevered and did yeah. it which is amazing so I mean I really enjoyed it we had loads of amazing conversations um to leave us with it what's your favorite book that you would recommend or podcast but let's go with a book I feel like book okay. is more appropriate um I think I've got two favorites so in the last year I read Mindset by mm -hmm. Carol Dweck and I love that because it helps you expand your perspective and teaches you how to reframe situations to see what you can learn from them, especially situations that have been disappointing or not worked out how you'd hope they would. Mm -hmm. um, it's putting a positive spin on that. So that's been really nice. And some time ago, I also read Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Yeah. Um, and Brené Brown, I just love anything mm. by her. So. I think Cheryl and Brené are both excellent at putting things into perspective and not sugarcoating life. Mm. You know, we again had a discussion off air that <laughs> life doesn't always turn out as you'd hoped or planned. So it's making the best out of plan B. I like that. These are very good recommendations. Uh, I like it. And and I definitely, Lean In was one of the first books I think I've read to start opening up my mind to what's going on and how I could be thinking differently and seeing world differently. So great recommendations. Mm. Um, if anyone wanted to find out a bit more about HR or, you know, you've touched on certain points and someone goes, I'd love to learn more about this, can they get in touch? And if so, how? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Louise Clements at HDI Global Specialty. Um, always up for a bit of mentoring, giving advice to, you know, the younger generation. And I'm a real champion for HR. I absolutely love it. Um, we've spoken today a lot about insurance and mm the field of HR really yeah. um, and I want to see more people taking a positive step into it because I find a bit like you've said with insurance it's mm. not always a choice yeah. people tend to fall into HR yeah yeah and I think that's the the whole topic around career I feel like we don't take enough control of where we're going with a career because we don't actually know the options yeah so this is really good for anyone that's sort of was thinking about it and and loves working with people this could be a path so I'm glad you said that they can reach out. I always Please. say there's something called one-off mentoring where someone goes and asks you a particular question, no obligations, we grab a coffee and that's it. If it becomes a relationship, fantastic. If yep. not, 
then the help was there and someone moves forward. So totally agree. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having, for being part of the podcast. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll hope to hear from you some more. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at 100 Women in Insurance. Rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We would love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.